From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father John Tregilio. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. A tremendous Monday to each and every one of you. Just when you thought it was safe to turn the radio back on, I'm back with Father John Tregilio. He is in the house looking uh, spry and dapper as ever and looking like he's in HD. Did you get a new camera, Father? No, I've had this. Oh, okay. This is this Our is... Wi-Fi finally got a little better, that's all. Ah, there we have it. All right, the mount is moving up in the world here. If you've got a question for Father John Tregilio, the number to call is 833 833- 288-EWTN, that's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, we'd still love to hear from you. That number is 1-205-271-2985. And we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at 1-205-271-2985. Um, you can always send us an email. That email address is openline at EWTN.com. That's openline, all one word, at EWTN.com. I'm Jack Williams, Michael McCall, producing the program. Your call screener is Matt Kubensky and Jeff Burson, handling our social media efforts. And our host is he is every Monday, the aforementioned in HD, Father John Tregilio. How are you? <laughs> Doing well, thank you. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Um, We've got an email here from Steve, and he wants to know, is there a biblical basis for the sacrament of reconciliation? Yes, there is. Uh, After the resurrection, when uh, Jesus appeared to the apostles, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you shall forgive are forgiven them, whose sins you retain shall be retained. Now, this very dramatic... um, incident he breathed on them um this is like the only time we see this happening and the breath uh, of of jesus uh we're reminded of in the book first book of the bible in genesis when god breathed on the waters of the earth and there became life and then when he took the clay the dirt of the earth and he breathed into uh, adam an immortal soul um, the word that's used, the breath, the pneuma in Greek, the ruha in Hebrew, uh, it means life, life-giving uh, source like the soul. So when he breathed on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, uh, that's the only time we see that particular gesture. And then he very makes it very explicit, whose sins you shall forgive are forgiven them. And then we see from the early church, uh, from the apostles on up to today, the practice of confessing one's sins uh, to a priest or or bishop. Now, private confession, going uh, secretly one-to-one to to the priest, uh, the Irish monks uh, sort of uh, perfected that in the the 6th century. But even in the ancient church, the apostolic times, people did go to the priest or to the bishop for confession. Uh, It was not always necessarily private as we have today, um, back in the ancient times, everybody knew what you were doing anyway. I mean, if you if you renounced the, the Christian faith, your neighbors knew about it. Um, but thanks to the Irish monks, 
we now have uh, anonymity and, and conf- total confidentiality. But that's right there in the New Testament. And although the word um, con- uh, confession or reconciliation or penance isn't used, the act and the power to forgive sins is very explicit. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. It's a free phone call anywhere in North North America. Pick up the phone and give us a call. Grab one of these couple of open phone lines here at 833-288-3986. Joanna writes in, what does illicit mean when referring to the Mass being valid but not licit? If a priest does not believe in the real presence of the Eucharist while celebrating Mass, is this Mass valid, and does that mean the congregation do not receive the graces? Okay, very good question. And uh, first of all, the difference between valid and licit. Valid means that it's a real, true sacrament. It did exist. Um, If it's invalid, there was no sacrament. So, for instance, if the priest does not use wheat bread and grape wine, if he uses a rice cake, if he uses sake wine, uh, it's invalid. If he doesn't use the exact words of consecration, this is my body, this is my blood, uh, it's invalid. If he's not validly ordained a priest, okay, uh, a deacon cannot celebrate Mass, a nun can't, a monk uh, cannot, uh, only a validly ordained priest or bishop can celebrate a valid Mass. Now, in terms of the priest himself, the benefit is that the church has this principle, ex opere operato, for the seven sacraments. And the priest must at least intend to do what the church does. If he went to a bad seminary and was taught um, poorly or erroneously, even in his ignorance, as long as he's intending to do what the church does, it's still a valid mass, as long as he uses the valid um, words, the form, and valid matter, the wheat bread and the grape wine. Uh, so, And you don't have to worry if the priest is in mortal sin. Uh, he commits another sin of sacrilege by celebrating the sacraments, but they are still validly uh, affected. Um, the priest is able to confect the real presence, even if he himself uh, is in, God forbid, mortal sin. Uh, it's unlike the sacramentals, like holy water, rosary, the um, scapular, the ex opere operantis, which means it depends on the person receiving the sacrament, whether they fully receive the the graces of the sacramental. But the seven sacraments, and especially Holy Mass, um, as long as the priest is saying the right words, using the right stuff, um, and you usually presume he's intending to do what the Church does, then it is a valid Mass. Licit, that's when he does things that are not, or doesn't do what's required, but won't affect validity. So let's say he celebrates Mass, he doesn't wear the right vestments, or he doesn't wear any vestments. There was uh, some uh, crackpot priest who celebrated Mass out in the water. I don't know if you saw it this summer. He had a little floating uh, altar or something. He was in his bathing suit. That was as illicit as you could possibly get. Um, But if he used the right words, if he uh, used the right materials, uh, the matter, then it it was valid. But illicit, which means illegal, but it's, uh, it's not the same as invalid. That's the worst case scenario. And, and kind of on a related question, Jerry wants to know if a priest's faculties change if he's in a state of mortal sin. No, they do not. That's a very good question, too. The faculties come from the bishop, and he can um, curtail them, he can suspend them. But as long as the priest has faculties um, to celebrate the sacraments, especially like marriage, you need faculties for, for it to be a valid 
uh, ceremony of uh, the sacrament of, of matrimony. The priest who's valley ordained, if he celebrates Mass, but he's been uh, suspended, it's a valid Mass, but it's illicit for him to celebrate, and it's illicit for people to go to that Mass if they know he does not have uh, the faculties. The faculties are sort of the credentials that the bishop grants to you. You need them for validity for the sacrament of confession. You need them for the validity of the sacrament of matrimony. For the Mass, you need faculties for it to be licit, but uh, it doesn't affect validity. A couple of open uh, phone lines for you. Two more left at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. We have several EWTN radio family members that are celebrating anniversaries this week. Uh, They include Queen of Victory Radio in Butte, Montana, celebrating 17 years on the air, and Veritas Catholic Radio Network, serving Connecticut, Westchester, and Long Island, celebrating three years on the air. Congratulations to Tom Downey in Butte and Steve Lee and the whole gang in the New York metro area for being part of the EWTN radio family. And I'm going to give a couple personal shout-outs myself. My lovely wife, Johnette, and I were on vacation last week. We went to the Iowa State Fair. Ooh. She wanted to see the she wanted to see the butter cow. If you don't know what the butter cow is, <laughs> I suggest you Google it. It's uh, there's a lot to the butter cow. So we went and saw the butter cow and everything else that goes along with the Iowa State Fair, which is grand. And uh, one of the things that goes on at the Iowa State Fair is Iowa Catholic Radio has a real presence there, based in Des Moines with their flagship station KWKY. 11.50 on the AM dial, so they had a very nice presence at the fair. I want to thank them for their tremendous hospitality. Matt Wilkham and uh, the whole crew there, including our old buddy Amy Harriman, who was a former neighbor of ours in Florida, now working for Iowa Catholic Radio, uh, of all places. And uh, got to meet and uh, caught up with Bob Dick, who came by the booth there. And Bob is the individual that started Marshalltown Catholic Radio in central Iowa. So uh, Iowa, or Catholic Radio rather, EWTN Catholic Radio, well represented at the Iowa State Fair. So a uh, big shout out to those guys and uh, all of you out there, all of the affiliates that are doing such good work for the kingdom of God via the radio airwaves. And I encourage everybody to support your local Catholic radio affiliate. Uh, they are working hard for you to bring you the gospel and to bring all of those that you love The good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Still two open lines for you at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. It's EWTN's Open Line Monday with Father John Tregilio. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. 833-288-EWTN, one line open at 833-288-3986. Those of you who are watching us on YouTube and Facebook Live, over the right shoulder of Father Tregilio is our founders, Mother Angelica, her portrait right there next to Father, watching over his shoulder. And Mother Angelica was very fond of holy reminders. That picture of Mother Angelica is a holy reminder to Father Tregilio of of uh, the holy and sacred things of the 
the priesthood that he undertook those many years ago. And um, we have EWTN's religious catalog for that very purpose. And we've got a really nice item to highlight today. It's the Live Truth, Live Catholic t-shirt. This very soft, 100% combed, fine jersey cotton t-shirt features the popular EWTN tagline, Live Truth, Live Catholic. The lettering is red on a soft gray shirt. And on the back is the EWTN logo in red and black. Uh, you can select from sizes small to triple X, and it's available now at EWTN's religious catalog. That's EWTNRC.com. They're offering free standard shipping on online orders of $75 or more. Standard shipping in the continental U.S. only. Use the code FREE at checkout. The Live Truth, Live Catholic t-shirt at EWTN's religious catalog. Um, one line open, 833-288-EWTN. First up today is Don in Denver, Colorado, listening on Catholic Radio <coughs> Network. Don, thanks for holding. You're on with Father John Tregilio. Oh Well, thank you. Hi, Father. Hi. Um, I am thinking about doing the consecration uh, to St. Louis de Montfort's consecration to Jesus through Mary. And one uh, the, in the consecration prayer... You give the spiritual value of all your actions uh, to Mary, and then mm-hmm. she's free to dispose of that any way she pleases. And you know, which is great. But I was thinking, what happens if uh, something? You know, like what happens if I have a family member, like one of my kids, gets in a jam, and I really want to, you know, send prayers their way? How did? I mean, how does that work? Does does you know what I'm saying? Does yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, uh, first of all, it's total abandonment uh, to Our Lady, and knowing, of course, that she loves us as a spiritual son or daughter. So, um, as a, a true mother, she's going to give us what we really need, and I don't think we need to be afraid or hesitant to trust in in her mercy. Uh, because she follows, obviously, um, is in union with her son. That being said, uh, there's no harm in asking Mary uh, for a particular intercession for someone else. It's just more so with our with with your personal needs, where you would say, I, you know, relinquish any spiritual graces that could come to me. I put it in her hands, and then I allow her to distribute them. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't, because even God says, asking you shall receive. And being a good mother, you know, uh, she knows we care for, you know, our other family members. So you could still ask, but I, I think part of the, uh, the consecration uh, to Mary, according to St. Louis de Montfort, which me and the seminarians, uh, we renew every year uh, through the Legion of Mary here at the, at the seminary. Um, it's a wonderful uh, consecration. Um, it's not a legal binding thing where you say, uh-oh, you know, it's like if you put somebody in the will and what happens if they die before you die, you know, people get a little uh, concerned about legalities. And this is not a legal contract in that regard. It's an abandonment to Our Lady, trusting that uh, if I say I relinquish my control in the set, I mean, you, you, you don't control spiritual things, but... You say, I just trust that whatever graces I get, I place in her hands, and then she will take care of me and my loved ones. Then you can just leave it like that. 
but it's not wrong or uh, you know disrespectful if you do make a specific request or intention for someone else. It's just that you know you you, you pray less for you and and more for others. Does that help, Don? Yeah, that helps a lot. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're very welcome, and I encourage you to follow through on your desires because you are. You will not regret it, that's for sure. Thanks, Don. We appreciate the phone call. Next up is Lenore in Lansing, Michigan, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Lenore, you are on with Father Tregilio. Hello, Father. Um, Hello. First, I'd like, to, um, I'd like to recognize the Queenship of Mary and thank her for everything she does for everyone. And um, I had a question, and I was wondering, in evangelization, um, in the early church they made reference to non-Catholic teachers like Plato and Socrates. And I'm not exactly sure, but when Elizabeth met Mary, she was still Jew- she was Jewish, but it says the infant, they used the word infant, leapt in her womb. Um, so that's kind of like a teaching from her being Jewish, right? And that teaching coming forward into the Catholic faith. I was wondering, um, using the word infant, I was wondering if um, there are other... Um, you know, Jewish or other traditions that are cited when people are doing evangelization. Yes. uh, When you look at someone like St. Thomas Aquinas, who was one of the greatest intellects the Church has ever seen, uh, at least from the human standpoint, um, he took the writings of Aristotle and, in a sense, I mean, I use this term, Analogous, he baptized them just as Saint Augustine baptized uh, Plato's philosophy, and they took the best of what the pagan world and what the Jewish world uh, had to offer, and then incorporated. So we're, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. That's why uh, a lot of the, like when you go to Rome, many of the great uh, churches there were originally built as temples to the Roman gods, and then the the Christians thought, well, you know, why tear it down and build it all over again? We'll just convert it from a temple to a church. And likewise, uh, you know, with the pagan philosophers, not everything they they taught was erroneous. There were some natural truths, um, philosophical truths, which certainly were true then, they're true now, and they will be true in the future, Um, you know, metaphysically, uh, you know, matter and form. That's how we describe the sacraments, especially when you read the Council of Trent, you need to have some scholastic philosophy and you know that was is based on plato and and aristotle so yeah the church borrows or reconfigures things from other cultures uh that we can use and find helpful um it's just that we don't adopt the the ideologies uh, of those other cultures and that um we take the external components and so whether it's the i mean a lot of the vestments that the priests wear originally started as Roman vest, vesture. I mean, a Roman citizen uh, would wear some of these things, and then over time uh, they became more uh, liturgical. Uh, but I think you're on the right track there. What we will not do is appropriate pagan or non-Christian philosophies as Catholic or Christian. Uh, we make that distinction. Does that help, Lenore? Well, thank you very much. Thank you. We appreciate the phone call. You know, Father, uh, Lenore mentioned today's feast day, the Feast of the Queenship of Mary. 
And uh, yeah, just a, an interesting story on these Marian feast days. Uh, my wife, Jeanette, her mother had had several miscarriages before she carried Jeanette, who's the oldest in the family, to term. And she went to a church uh, just before she delivered Jeanette and said that if you'll, or actually it was shortly after she found out she was pregnant again, and she said, if you will let me bear, uh, carry this child to term, then I will consecrate this child to you when it's born. So, uh, so Jeanette came along and she was born on the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Mm. And was uh, and was consecrated. Her mother f- uh, followed through on that promise to do that very thing. And then uh, Johnette's oldest daughter, uh, Jessica, was born on the feast of Our Lady of Fatima. And then her youngest daughter, Thea, was born on the feast of the Assumption. Wow. And then Johnette's mother passed away on this day, the feast of the Queenship of Mary. So that is awesome. You make a promise to God, he'll follow through on his end Absolutely. of it. That's the bottom line here. Um, next up is Gabriella. She's in San Antonio, Texas. Just spent the weekend in San Antonio. It was terrific. She's listening on Guadalupe Radio. Gabriella, you're on with Father Trujillo. Hello, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my question is on the the topic of um, immigration, illegal immigration. And um, I guess it's kind of two-part, but I, I wanted to know, if the church had like um, a set doctrine or a set answer on, um, like, I guess where where we stand on illegal immigrants coming into our country, and then the, the other part was how do I respond um, charitably um, towards you know in conversation amongst friends and family? Like, how do I um, say what I believe without sounding uncharitable? Like, oh, we don't want people coming over here, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, um, yes. Yeah. So that that's it. Okay, that's a very timely question, too. Um, the Church always, um, you know, wants to maintain uh, and uphold principles, and then the application of those principles is where we get into prudential judgment. So one of the principles that the Church obviously recognizes is that uh, a country, a nation, uh, or even a state has the right to say, you know, we only have limited resources, and there's a process by which someone... Um, you know, comes in, becomes a citizen, um, makes residency and that. Uh, they have that natural right to set those up. At the same time, there's the natural right to respect human beings and to help them uh, when you are able to in the extent that, you know, they can, they can be helped. And we want to recognize that immigrants, whether they're legal or illegal, they're still human beings. They have human rights. But at the same time, too, is that the people who live in that particular place uh, pay, pay the taxes and that, um, you know, they have a right to expect that things will be provided uh, for them and their, their families, not to the exclusion of those people who may be here illegally, but the same t- token is not to, um, you know, one must maintain a sense of justice that there's, o- there's only so many resources and, um, you know, that is where charity comes in is that you know the churches and other people um can provide what they can to help people um certainly the government has uh, certain things they can do through through um, medicaid and and welfare but there's a happy balance that needs to be reached and so it's not either or but as pope benedict uh, emeritus would often say it's both and so we need to both recognize and uphold the dignity of each human person regardless of 
their legal status, but at the same time recognize that countries and states and communities, just like you as an individual, you're not morally obligated to take in anybody who knocks on your door and says, hey, can I live with you? Uh, you know, you, you, you have a limited amount of, of income. So it's a balance between the two. It's always upholding principles. Their particular application is what we call prudential judgment. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Mary in Milwaukee, and we'd love to hear from you as well. It's EWTN's Open Line Monday with Father John Tregilio. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Wide open phone lines for you on Open Line Monday. As advertised, next up is Mary, a first-time caller in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, listening on the EWTN app. Mary, thanks for holding. You're on with Father Tregilio. Hi, Father. Hi. Um, I'm in a sticky situation with our family member. Um, mm. I have a niece who is gay, and I thought that we were going to be getting a notice, notice that she was going to be getting married, but that's not the case. And that, I would know, I wouldn't be a witness to a marriage like that. The notice was is that she is expecting a baby through IVF and that we're invited to the baby shower. And I'm speaking of myself and my 94-year-old mother. And we both feel like, you know, what do we do? Um, you know, we're, I, it's not the baby's fault. <laughs> you yeah. know, we want to love a new, a new life into the world, but do we go and celebrate this? Yeah, that's uh that is a sticky situation. Um, I would say, again, we are using prudential judgment here. Uh, if you do not go, you need to convey to them why in a charitable way and say, the reason why I'm not going is because, you know, the, the, this isn't right. Um, I, I, I love you, and I will certainly love your, your child. And, you know, like you said, the child's innocent. You know, it's, it's not his or her fault how they were conceived, whether, and, you know, as we know, uh, in vitro fertilization is condemned by the church because uh, it's not through natural means. And in many cases, like 98% of the time, if not more, you know, they destroy what they consider non-viable embryos, which each embryo is a human being, is a person. So uh, abortions are taking place. So if you go... Um, I would say only go under duress and say, I'm going here just to support the child. But, you know, a, a baby shower has not, I mean, the kid doesn't even know that there's a shower going on. So you're not being mean or cruel to the baby and not going to the shower anymore than if, you know, you boycotted a, um, a bridal shower of, um, you know, say two women were getting married or uh, you have a Catholic getting married outside the church. You not going to the shower is not considered unjust, unfair, or uncharitable, but you have to do it in, in a charitable way. Um, but that being said, you you'd also you know always treat the people involved with with kindness and 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 gentleness and compassion without ever conveying to them a sense of that you know you condone 
what's going on here. You can. The problem is a lot of people don't don't want to make that distinction between, you know, your opinion and and your position, and then the person themselves. And you say, well, no, I love you, but I don't love everything you do or everything you say or everything you believe. But I, I you as a person, I do, and people. You know, they think it's a package deal. Either you accept everything I say and do and who I am. You say, no, that's not that's not the case, you know. Uh, God loves us, but he doesn't love when we sin. You know, and we don't say to God, you know, well, take me or leave me. So, uh, you know, you need to think and pray about whether you're going to go. But if you go, you need to convey to them your disappointment. And, you know, I certainly, you know, buying an elaborate gift at a baby shower well, you know, it's for the kid, but at the same token, you know, what are you saying there? So if you go, I wouldn't necessarily bring a gift. I would just pop in, be polite, and then leave. But in a note or verbally say to them, I'm not happy about this, you know, and um, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing this out of love for you, okay, not that I, I accept and approve. But if you don't go, you need to also say, you're just not showing up. You know, they might think, oh, you're, you know, you got sick or you got COVID or something. So you need to convey to the person why you're doing what you're doing to pray for them. But you can always be civil and treat people, you know, with kindness and gentleness. Jesus was that way with the woman caught in adultery, yet he did not say to her, you know, oh, go back to your lifestyle. He goes, no, go and sin no more. Does that help, Mary? There, yeah. Well, my mother and I are thinking of just sending a gift. Um you know, it, my mom's 94, and she's not going to be part of the family because, you know, at, yeah. she's the end of her life. Yeah. I know that I will be canceled um, and from family get-togethers, and yeah. I'm willing to accept that. Um, even if I'm not, if I don't really voice my yeah. opinion, they'll just know because I am a practicing Catholic, and most yes. of my relatives are non-Catholic or liberal. Yeah. Um, so... That's well, forget. I mean, the, the, the main thank issue you for your here. Help there. Yeah, I would say if you if you do get a gift, get it something that only the the baby could use, like diapers. Okay, uh, nothing that the parent or the the parents can use for themselves. Um, you know, even even a savings bond. Okay, uh, the in you giving the gift, restrict it to the that in such a way that only the child would be a benefit to it. Thanks, Mary. We appreciate that phone call today. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. It's a free phone call anywhere in North America. 833-288-3986. Brandon is in Grand Island, Nebraska, watching us today on YouTube. Brandon, you're on with Father John. Hey, Father. uh, Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Yep. uh, Just kind of I was kind of getting kind of curious uh, with the upcoming launch of uh, Artemis One scheduled for uh, next Monday morning. Uh, how will the church uh, change with the? Because we're going to be uh, having like uh, people mo- giving, taking the faith to the moon, Mars, and uh, beyond. Well, I, the way I look at it, it's this, like when Christopher Columbus left the old world and came here to the new world. Um, I would hope at some point that when they start for, you know, to seriously exploring space and colonizing space, that we would have some Catholic chaplains. I mean, Christopher Columbus had some um, priests on board, and when they landed here in the new world, 
they celebrated a holy mass, okay, and the same took place in Florida when when the the Spanish uh, uh, people came. They brought with them. In fact, you know, the, the first Thanksgiving actually took place in Florida, uh, Saint Augustine there. Um, so, I would hope and pray that if 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 there is going to be uh, practical and viable um, exploration and colonization, that we bring the faith with us to those other planets, just as we did from the old world to the new. If we restrict and keep um, religion out of that, that's where you know it's going to be um, dangerous because then in that vacuum, people are going to then either resort to New Age, the occult, or uh, pagan uh, religions. And, you know, we need to be proud of our, you know, Judeo-Christian faith, and as Catholic Christians especially, that we want the sacraments celebrated. So, you know, Mass can be celebrated on Mars as well as here on Earth. Does that help, Brandon? Yeah. I heard that uh, on the moon that uh, Aldrin uh, celebrated uh, communion. Yeah, because he was a, I think he was an Episcopalian, I, I don't. I know what you're talking about. He wasn't a Catholic priest, but I think he he was a Protestant minister, and so he brought communion along with him. That's at least my understanding. But uh, so far, Holy Mass, Valid Mass, hasn't been celebrated yet on the moon. Um, I wouldn't mind doing it on Mars, only because, you know, I was interested in going there as a kid. <laughs> well, there you go. Do you know? Do you know what diocese you would be in if you were in a colony on the moon? <laughs> What? <laughs> well, our scre- our car screener Matt Kubinski tells us that you would be in the diocese of Orlando, because oh. if any new jurisdiction yeah. uh, is formed, it is under the jurisdiction of the diocese that sent the people to it, um, which would would be the launch would have been in the diocese of Orlando. And I'm sure the Vatican would also. <laughs> Yeah. Get involved real soon, and, and I, but they, I, might I, appoint, they might appoint some poor priest, the first bishop of Mars. But as we well, but as we may know, you know the uh, the the you know the bishop of Orlando is Bishop Noonan, so why he should pres- Noonan the bishop over the moon, right? <laughs> sure. Eight three three two eight eight EWTN is our toll free number. It's a free phone call anywhere in North America. 833-288-3986. Joseph says uh, he's a cradle Catholic, mid-50s male, separated from his wife and his family. He's a regular churchgoer in communion with the church, praying as often as possible, but he's very dry in the spirit. He feels stagnant and like God is not hearing him, listening, or cares much about his life. Any advice for Joseph? Well, first of all, know that you, I mean, you know, you're loved by God and loved by Holy Mother Church, and um, you know, as long as you're not invalidly uh, remarried, you can certainly receive the sacraments. Uh, persevere, because the devil wants you to think that, you know, God doesn't love you anymore, he's not listening. Uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta felt as if God wasn't listening to her. She knew intellectually that wasn't the case, but in her heart, she had this Real, not just dryness, but the dark night of the soul, as St. John the Cross would call it, uh, desolation. And many of the great saints go through that, where they feel it's an emotional feeling that, you know, God doesn't care, he's not listening. But in their intellect, their mind, they know that's not the case. And certainly growing up, you know, there were times where we felt mom or dad were slighting us, but then, you know, we knew intellectually that that wasn't the case. 
So you have to fight that uh, desolation and, and try to ride it out because uh, all most of the great saints went through that period of desolation. And then there's some uh, consolation. I can't demand or expect it. Uh, it's, it's a free gift. I mean, Mother Angelica talked about this often on her show and when she would uh, speak to people is that, you know, consolation isn't something you can expect, but desolation is not a punishment either. Uh, it's a purification. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. We head to the Republic of Texas. Brady is a first-time caller in Dallas listening on Guadalupe Radio. Brady, you're on with Father John. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Okay. Um, I had just been wondering for a while and didn't really know uh, where to look for an answer, but so I was curious, uh, during the time of the ancient Israelites and like when the Old Testament events were taking place, as well as the time of Jesus during his ministry, what would have happened to someone who died, who lived on the other side of the earth, who had like did not hear or know about Jesus or the Jewish God or yes. anything like that, because they wouldn't, wouldn't have been enemies of God because they had no clue, or they couldn't yes. reject Jesus because they didn't know who he was. So I just didn't know what would have happened to them. Yes. Well, that's a good uh, a good question, and there was a, a, a document from, from uh, the Vatican um, several years ago, Dominus Jesus, and it's part of Catholic teaching. Uh, it goes back to the time of St. Augustine and uh, even further, uh, that God gives everyone sufficient grace to be saved, but it's efficacious only for those who cooperate with it. Now, there's some people who, through no fault of their own, and that's you know was made very made very explicit in the Second Vatican Council, but also in the uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It came out in 1992. If through no fault of yours you did not know about Christ, you did not know about the Catholic Church, and you have not explicitly, overtly uh, rejected Christ and His Church you are not held uh, accountable for what you did not know. It's only those people who looked at, examined, realized that this is the truth, and then freely rejected it. Uh, they're, they're liable to that. So we also call invincible ignorance when it's not their fault that they do not know. So someone uh, on some abandoned island where they don't have any Internet or no one's ever mentioned, there's no access, there's no way this person could ever know or hear or learn about Jesus or the Catholic Church, then if they live a good virtuous life, all right, we believe that God will give them the opportunity. Now that's why in the in the um prior to the Second Vatican Council, uh there was uh, the the hypothesis of limbo where people who were lived a virtuous life but were not baptized, um they didn't have sanctifying grace, they went to a place of natural happiness. But the church never taught that as dogma. So when you look at the catechism, you won't find limbo in there because there is a way of understanding that someone could, um, and I don't, I don't like the phrase, but it has at least one tiny bit of merit in anonymous Christian. You know, someone who doesn't know uh, about Jesus and doesn't know about the church, but it's not their fault. They have not rejected Jesus or the church. Uh, they can still, we believe, be saved that because that Jesus and the church is the means, all right, the vehicle by which it's a it's a baptism of desire, so to speak, even though it's implicit. But that's always contingent on the fact that this person, you know, did not freely reject uh, Jesus uh, or the church, 
And it also behooves us that do have the faith, we must do our best to share. We can't just say, well, if they can get by with this invincible ignorance, no, I have the moral obligation to evangelize, to catechize. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. A couple of open lines at 833-288-3986. Got a great way for you to start your mornings. Um, the word, or fire on earth, rather. Fire on earth with our good friend Peter Herbeck. He provides a compelling look at the new evangelization through inspiring teachings, interviews, and testimonies. And Peter's insights, I promise you, will help Catholics acquire the tools they need to do their part in the new evangelization. That's Fire on Earth with Peter Herbeck, Monday through Friday morning, 5.15 Eastern Time, right here on EWTN Radio. Next up is Cora in the great state of Wisconsin. She's in Madison, a first-time caller, listening on the Amazon Echo. Cora, welcome to the program. You're on with Father John. Hi. Hello. Um, I, my question was about healing in the Catholic Church, and I was wondering if that like still exists and how people do that. Like, I know in the Bible it says like laying hands, but I yes. didn't know. Yes, um, we certainly believe in healing, and uh, you can pray for healing, and people can pray for you as well. Uh, the laying on of hands, all right. Uh, Anyone can do that. Uh, it's not something that's uh, restricted only to when bishops confirm or ordain, uh, but you make it very clear that this is not a sacrament, but it's a sacramental. And so if someone puts, lays their hands over you, imposes hands, and prays for healing, that's fine. But it's not the laying on of hands in and of itself, all right, is, is not the main thing. It's the faith of the person. It's the prayer for the person. Now, part of the anointing of the sick, all right, is that we pray for, if it's God's will, this person be physically healed or uh, they receive some remedy or relief from their illness. But the first and foremost uh, objective of the of anointing of the sick is that this person is spiritually prepared either to continue bearing their cross or if this ends in death, that they be prepared to, to die a, a happy, holy death and then, you know, receive through the sacrament, especially uh, the apostolic pardon and uh, viaticum. So uh, that prayer for healing is part of anointing of the sick. That's why we don't refer to it uh, only as extreme unction, uh, the last anointing, but also as uh, anointing of the sick. With, But you can also pray for someone without it being the, the, the sacrament of the anointing. So if you go to a, a friend or a, a relative, a neighbor or co-worker, and says, can you pray for me? They can do that. They can put hands on you, or they don't have to put hands on you. They can just say, I will pray that God heal you. That's a good and holy thing. Um, it's just that we will make a distinction between that and the sacrament of anointing of the sick, where only a priest or bishop uses the, the oil of the sick and then uh, you know, anoints their, their forehead and their hands and then says the prayers that are required for the sacrament. That's distinct and, and different from... Uh, the gen generic praying for healing, which anyone can do. I like that call from Wisconsin so much. We'll keep it right there in the state of Wisconsin. Kevin is in Kenosha listening on WSFI Radio. Kevin, you're on with Father John Tregilio. Hi, Father John. Thanks a lot for taking my call. and I, I love the work that you do, and you're one of my favorite priests. Thank you. I'm <laughs> very happy. Yeah. Um, I've got a, a... My wife and I have a bad situation. We have a daughter who was married for 12 years, uh, 14 and 16-year-old daughters, teenagers, and 
she lost her brother in a hit-and-run accident. He was 37 years old and only 15 months apart, so they were very close. And mm. part of her died when he died, but her husband wasn't there for her to console her and no communication and through the through the grieving process. So she ended up getting divorced this summer a couple months ago. Now she's dating a girl. and She's with a 20-year-old girl, and she just turned 38. She's with a 20-year-old female, and it's... it's the lesbian relationship, you know, we don't know yeah. how to handle it and what to do. I mean, we love her unconditionally, yeah. yes. but we don't know, you know, it's not good. Yeah, I mean, you certainly don't want to cut her off completely, you know, you you want to convey to her that you love her, okay, but that you don't agree or condone everything she says or does um, any more than, and, and I would make this clear, too, that you would say, look, honey, um, if you had, you know, started shacking up with, with a guy, we wouldn't approve either, okay? That, you know, if you're not husband and wife in the eyes of God, you know, we, we can't approve of, of, that, of that relationship in the sense that when they come to visit, you're not, you're not, you can't let them stay overnight in the same bedroom, all right? That's got to be absolutely no. But that doesn't mean that you can't have them over to the house to visit, you can't uh, have dinner. That doesn't convey that you condone uh, their lifestyle, um, but you, you have to make it very clear that you're not happy, you don't approve, um, you're, you know, that this is something that's not, not, not right, but uh, always with, with, with compassion and charity. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's difficult, all right? I'm not pulling any punches here. It's not an easy thing to do, but you don't want to go to the extremes where you slam the door in her face or you have a wide-open door and pretend like there's nothing different or nothing wrong. You got the grandchildren you got to think of, too, that, you know, they don't need to be pushed up against a corner and they're going to have to choose between grandma and grandpa or, or their mother. But at the same time, they need to, they need a good advice. They need good example. So, you know, what do you do? You first and foremost, you pray, uh, talk to your, your parish priest or deacon. If you have a spiritual director, confessor, uh, speak to him, ask for some guidance. Obviously your, your, your daughter's having some emotional, um, uh, problem here. And that's why she was gravitating, uh, to this, um, my brother was killed by a drunk driver. He was only 33 years old. Uh, it, w it was a horrible tragedy. My dad died six months after that. Um, my mother also had to bury two other kids. So, I mean, uh, I know the effect that tragic deaths have on people. I know myself. I know I see it in my family. And I've seen the effects it has on people. When I was a pastor, I saw how people reacted, and not always in good ways. So, yeah, there's where you have to have some compassion, and patience, but the same token, you can't pretend like this. That there isn't something wrong here. If your daughter was addicted to drugs or alcohol, you certainly wouldn't, you know, offer her, you know, uh, booze or drugs at the house. Uh, yet at the same time, you say, "But you know, we still love you. All right, we will always love you. There's never nothing you could do that would make us stop loving you. But me loving you doesn't mean I I condone and agree with everything you say and do. Uh, and so. Knowing when to say no, uh, no, you know, we're not going to that event or that uh, party or something. Certainly if they get married civilly, you know, uh, going to that is, is problematic. Celebrating their anniversary of this civil union is not good. But doing it in a loving, charitable way is, is not easy, but it's the only way to respond. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Yaroslav is in Ukraine, Father, watching us on YouTube, and he wants to know if our prayers can change God's will. 
Well, part of God's will is that he's, uh, again, I don't want to say he's open to uh, suggestions. Uh, his will is, is, has, is always the same, all right? He, he doesn't change his mind. But he does say, asking you shall receive and seeking you shall find. Knock on the door will be open. So he, he wants us to ask, knowing though intellectually, theologically, philosophically, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not there to negotiate with God. I can make a suggestion and say, Lord, like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. If possible, let this cup pass, but not my will, yours be done. That is always the main component of our, of our prayer petition, that you can ask for God's assistance, um, but you don't, you know, it's like, like he doesn't know what's going on, okay? He knows what you need, he knows what uh, you want, but he wants us to get involved. So I can't just sit back as a, uh, a bystander and just say, well, he knows, you know, I'll let him do it. No, you know, it's like when you were growing up at home, you know, you, your mom and dad know what you need, but when you got the range of reason, they wanted you to ask too. And Father, we've just got about a minute and a half left, so I'm going to ask Michael in Cincinnati, Ohio's question for him. His parents have been away from the church for 42 years, and he wants to know how to convince them to return, and he said it's a trust thing at this point on their end. Well, what I would do, and, and this is a little subterfuge, when you go visit, um, you know, leave something behind, like a rosary, uh, a holy medal. Um, I suggest people, like, get my book, Catholicism for Dummies, leave it in the bathroom, all right? You hand it to them overtly, they're going to not accept it, they're going to throw it away, but if they stumble across it, all right, you get a miraculous medal and throw it in one of their rooms there, um, sprinkle some holy water, um, but most and most and most and mostly of important pray for them okay every day and father would you leave us with a blessing absolutely benedica vos only potens deus pater et filius et spiritus sanctus amen amen on behalf of our host father john tregilio our producer michael mccall call screener matt gubensky and our social media maven mr jeff burson i'm jack williams thanks so much for tuning in to ewtn's open line monday off to a great start for the week. Back at it tomorrow with Father Wade Menezes talking faith, family, and fellowship. Until we get together tomorrow, God bless.